Fumbling in the rays of my flashlight, I found I could open the shutters, and in another moment had climbed outside and was carefully closing the aperture in its original manner. I was now in Washington Street, and for the moment saw no living thing nor any light save that of the moon. From several directions in the distance, however, I could hear the sound of hoarse voices, of footsteps, and of a curious kind of pattering which did not quite sound like footsteps. Plainly, I had no time to lose. The points of the compass were clear to me, and I was glad that all the street lights were turned off, as is often the custom on strongly moonlit nights in prosperous rural regions. Some of the sounds came from the south, yet I retained my design of escaping in that direction. There would, I knew, be plenty of deserted doorways to shelter me, in case I met any person or group who looked like pursuers. I walked rapidly, softly, and close to the ruined houses. While hatless and dishevelled after my arduous climb, I did not look especially noticeable, and stood a great chance of passing unheeded if forced to encounter any casual wayfarer. Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Reader extraordinaire. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, you make that look easier when you do it. You, you <laughs> normally get it in one take. I've been practicing, you know, secretly <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah. So, listener, take a moment to guess what we're doing this episode based off that quotation, because we try and pick an apposite quotation, don't we? Despite what it sounds like. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. But of course, the episode title will also give away what we're doing because we're doing another one of our investigator-specific episodes. We reached out to patrons and asked them what sort of thing they felt we hadn't done for a while or they felt was missing. And this is one of the uh, things that was mentioned a lot of different times, which was that we could do some more investigator-specific episodes, which, to be fair, we had on our list of things to do anyway, but we're we're taking the hint. Uh, We are indeed. So who are we looking at this week, Frank? So we thought we'd look at a survivor. It's everyone's favourite athlete, Rita Young. Yeah. I've been wanting to talk about her for a while, actually. Mm, yeah. I, th- I think when The Circle Undone came out, you were saying, right, we should do a Rita episode. And I was feeling slightly like we needed to see what cards came out and things like that. There's always that risk with a new investigator that the cycle that they've come with is going to introduce all sorts of extra cards and synergies and things like that. And if we dive in with the new hotness and talk about it, we won't have played it that much. And also there might be cards that come out later in a cycle that really change how you think about a certain investigator. So I managed to hold you back in your enthusiasm, but now we're doing Rita. Right, should we should we dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Should we read the cards first? Yes, yeah. So I have Rita here in front of me. She's the athlete. She's got three willpower, two intellect, three combat and five agility she's miskatonic traded and she has a reaction after you evade an enemy either deal one damage to that enemy or move to a connecting location limit once per round elder sign effect plus two until the end of the round ignore the limit on the above reaction ability you've got a bone to pick fine by me i don't need your permission to leave you in the dust and she's nine health and five sanity so straight away, she's she, she's not terrible at willpower tests or fighting with three in those stats. Not great, but not <laughs> terrible. But we're, we're clearly driven in a certain direction with that agility of five. Yeah. Which is, she's the first investigator who's got an agility of five. Mm, yeah. Before this point, Wendy with four, Finn with four, they felt like very reasonable, high agility characters. 
And then we discovered Rita, who's got even more agility. I think we'll talk about this more as we go through, but it's become a more sophisticated way to interact with the game. Or certainly the way we think about it has developed uh, over the years since the game came out. (laughs) If she was in the core set, we'd all be bemoaning how terrible she was. Yeah, probably we would. Compared to Wendy, Wendy has four willpower and three intellect. So she's got slightly better uh, mental statistics. But then, unlike Wendy, she's got a three combat here. So she's much more robust physically. Yes. So Rita can has got a couple of ways of dealing with enemies mm-hmm. in a pinch. Uh, whereas Wendy is pretty much restricted to evading them or using some rogue and survivor tricks to get rid of Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned tricks because we should probably talk about Rita's deck building before we go any further. Yes. So I'm going to flip over the card. She has a deck size of 30. Her deck building options are survivor cards, level 0 to 5, neutral cards, level 0 to 5, and trick cards, level 0 to 3. And her deck building requirements, I'm done running, hoods, and one random basic weakness. So I like... A few of the other investigators, like the, the, the mono-faction investigators, if we can call them that, she gets an extra stat point, right? So she uh, adds up to... Yes. She's a uh, 13. 13, that's right, yes. Which is nice. Uh, and she's, again, so she's got access mainly to just the survivor card pool, which mm-hmm. a couple of years ago we would have said is, is, a, is, a, is a disadvantage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it was hard to build a well-rounded character from that card pool. But now maybe it's the, the single card pool you can build the best rounded character from. Maybe outside of Mystic. Okay, you're going you're gonna to go that far, are you? Well, Nail your colours to the mast. I think we've, we've got... There's tools for investigation. There's tools for combat. There's tools for uh, mitigating health and, uh, and sanity damage. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in that card pool, right? Even if it's not the best at doing anything. I guess maybe the... I mean, even resource generation, we've now got Drawing Thin, which is mm-hmm. an incredible resource generation card. Yeah, and last cycle we got Take Heart, which is also an incredible resource generation card and plays into one of the major themes of the faction, which is failure. Yeah. Strikingly, for Rita, I imagine she might be failing some of those willpower or intellect tests, but with that high agility, she might not lean into a, a failing agility style, which is, I think, somewhat new for our investigators, that normally we would have considered agility to be the stat that you're going to throw away or not worry about or maybe fail those agility tests that the encounter deck forces upon you. But Rita turns that on its head because that's her safe statistic. Yeah. Of those tricks, some of them are survivor anyway. Are there any tricks that are leaping out to you, Peter? Because I remember when we unboxed the Circle Undone Deluxe, we had that slightly record scratch moment of rushing to look up what tricks are available to Rita. And the majority of tricks, listener, are either rogue or survivor. There's a single seeker trick, Persuasion, which is based off intellect. And there's now a single guardian trick, Warning Shot, which requires uh, ammunition on a firearm. Yes, so that's hunting rifle. (laughs) Yeah. Old hunting rifle only. Old hunting rifle only and providing Rita with another way, sort of, of doing what she's already good at, which is evading enemies. Um, It's not quite an evade, 
but it's sort of more enemy management. Yeah. The, the one I've seen people use is uh, Slip Away. Okay, yeah. Is it Slip Away that I'm thinking of? You think it's Slip Away or Cheap Shot? Both, actually, yes. Yeah. So Slip Away improves the value of your evades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can add your intellect to the test. Well, yes, but that's by the by for, for Rita, really. What it does is it keeps the enemy evaded for another turn. Mm-hmm. So you can evade an enemy and then move away quite safely. Yeah, and then where Cheap Shot feeds into that is you combine your combat and agility for a fight, but if you succeed by two, you get an evade as well, which Rita likes. Yeah, so that, that's a, a one-shot ability to turn your, your agility into your combat value, which is also nice, uh, yeah. and saves you an action for the evade. So, so they're both nice cards, I think, to have in her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But certainly, I've seen lots of people running her purely survivor at neutral cards. Yeah, I've found through two campaigns that maybe Cheap Shot was the only card, and maybe then Ace in the Hole at yeah, my Yeah, because that's level three, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So you've just mentioned with a couple of the tricks that you've highlighted about how they add value to an evade or allow Rita to use her evasion ability more. And I think we should at least pause for a moment on her ability after you evade an enemy, either deal a damage to that enemy or move to a connecting location. This is one example. You started by saying our attitude towards evasion has changed over the course of this game. And Rita is... uh, uh, like another piece to that puzzle of explaining how you can leverage evasion to do different things. So with Cheap Shot for her, she does a damage. And then if you can succeed by two and get an evade, you can use her ability to add another damage. So it becomes a a two damage attack, which is reasonable. Or with Slip Away, you can do an evade and do a damage and ensure that you don't need to evade next turn because you succeed by two or more and keep the enemy pinned down. So yeah, what do you think about Rita's ability? How often do you see it being used for damage or movement? It's, I like that it's quite flexible. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can use it to kill a one health enemy just with a single evade check, right? Yeah. So kill rats kill or rats. whatever. Yep. Yeah, just, just dead or cultist or, or or do the odd damage on something that's already taken two damage. So mm-hmm. if it's a three three health enemy, for instance... But you'll often be in a situation where, say, you've got a hunter enemy ready to move in to a location, mm. something like that. You know, being able to evade it and then move straight back, that saves another action, which would otherwise be lost. Mm. I think that's it, it's it's a nice combination of things, and neither one is is really better than the other. It's it's, it's really flexible tools to give an evading character. To either start to ping damage on them on an enemy that you you might want to deal with eventually, um, yeah, and it makes that easier, so you're not just forgetting about the enemy, or to be able to keep your momentum up and and keep moving forward with the scenario if you need to be in a different location. I've seen Rita players really pause and think quite carefully about how they want to leverage her ability and what they get out of it, because there are often occasions where you want both. You want to do a damage to an enemy and also move on or or things like that. Yeah. And and working out what's the best line of play for Rita can be really satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I I was the first time I saw her in action, because uh, I'd, I'd been interested in her for a while, but it, it was at Arkham and Flames. Uh, and it okay. was in yeah. The Gathering and uh, Chris was playing Rita. And it, it, exactly what you said happened. We were, you know, swarmed with ghouls, as you always are. 
And Chris is like, oh, well, I, well, I can I can evade this guy and deal damage and then kill him next turn. And then yeah. that works. Or, you know, I can come into this room with you I could, and then evade this enemy as well. So I can just, and then I've got two actions left because I've evaded and moved in one action. So mm, I can do, you yeah. know, evade, move, engage, evade, all in one turn. <laughs> yeah. It, it, if you use the move ability, it becomes an extra action. You're getting that evasion for, for free. Yeah. You can compare that to Finn, where you get a free evade, but you don't get to add damage or movement to that free evade. So if you were going to move anyway, you're, you're sort of it, it works out the same in terms of actions. When you mentioned large enemies as well, I think the other thing I've seen in the past is if you're dealing with a large enemy that you maybe has a victory point and you'd like to kill, the dedicated evader, if you've had one, them sitting and evading that enemy turn after turn isn't the best use of their actions you really want your fighter to come in and kill that enemy but rita makes it okay to do that to sit evading and pinging because she's adding value to her evasion every time she does it in the way that it's not just a uh, air quotes wasted action that she's keeping this enemy pinned down i think that's really nice too that she takes a different approach to handling big enemies than your classical guardian would which is nice yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, we've strayed a little bit into evasion, so let's look at her signatures before we, we go any further. Yeah. But I, th- I think we'll talk more about evasion later in this episode because Rita's such a great example of what evasion might be, what place it has in the end. Anyway, do you want to read her signature cards? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. It's one of my favourite kind of cards, Frank. Oh, yeah. It is a zero-cost event. It has a combat, an agility, and a wild pip. And it's called, I'm done running, all in quotation marks. It is spirit traded and it has a Rita Young deck only. Fast, play only during your turn. Ready and engage all enemies at your location. For the remainder of your turn, whenever you evade an enemy, instead of exhausting and disengaging from that enemy, you may deal at one damage. All other effects of the successful evasion still apply. Okay, just as we were getting our head around Rita's ability to move or or evade. Suddenly, she turns into a a damage dealer. Should we tackle this the parentheses part to the end first? Because <laughs> I know okay, you, yeah. this this was a, a a sticking point for you for some time. Mm, yeah. Uh, all other effects of the successful evasion still apply. So my reading here, <laughs> say if I'm wrong, Frank, is if you have another card which says when you evade an, an enemy that still does what it would would have done originally. Mm-hmm. So say you have a pickpocketing play, which says when mm-hmm. you successfully evade an enemy by two or more, draw a card or gain a resource. Yeah. That would still work, even if you're using I'm done running. You haven't evaded the enemy, so it's still engaged with you and it's still ready. Mm. But you still pick its pocket and you get the resource or the card. Yeah, so another example might be Belly of the Beast. Fast play after you successfully invade an enemy by two or more, discover one clue at that enemy's location. Yes. So you would choose not to exhaust and disengage that enemy and deal its damage instead, and also you would counter successfully evading it by two or more to get the clue. And most crucially, this means that Rita's reaction ability still works. Mm. Yeah, you're still still evading the enemy, you're just not deal a damage to the one of the enemies you uh, you evade on your turn. 
So it's sort of a dynamite blast, a mini dynamite blast. It's also sort of saying use your agility as combat for the turn if you want to. Yeah, so you, you're effectively punching with your feet. Uh, with your feet. Yeah. <laughs> it's known as kicking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. I had a really good. I, had, I got a good fact about kicking. Go on. I found this out yesterday. So during the original Matrix film, mm. Keanu Reeves early on in the the training for it, uh, he he had an injury and he fused some of his uh, vertebrae. He had a spinal injury, and he wow. had partial leg paralysis. And uh, as as has been said, uh, any kind of Paralysis is not great for the the star of an action film when you're trying to train them. Mm, yeah. So they had to they redid some of the choreography, and that's why in the film Keanu Reeves doesn't really kick anyone, whereas all the other characters kick each other all the time. Oh wow! Yeah, they re, they rejig the choreography so it was all him punching stuff and shooting stuff rather than kicking things. Oh. Blimey. There you go. It's a kick That's really here. interesting. I, yeah, I'm, I'm now looking forward to revisiting The Matrix and seeing oh, Yeah, I'd like to watch it again. It's been maybe like five or six years since I watched it. Probably longer for me, yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of a, a Keanu renaissance going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been sending you Keanu articles. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know how you can say back from <laughs> Keanu to Rita Young. But how often have you seen I'm Done Running, a.k.a. Kick Time, actually played? Rarely. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. It's quite specific, isn't it? It's very specific. But it's, it's, a, it's a double icon into a combat or an agility test, even if it's not useful for its ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing worth noting is it, it does ready and engage all enemies at your location. So it's also a taunt. Yeah. Which often gets forget it, forgotten, forgetted. It often gets forgotten that sometimes you have a situation where you've ended up with three or four enemies all all appearing at the same time. So uh, examples of that might be in Guardians of the Abyss or in Devourer Below, where you get the cultist drop, and one character being able to say, "Just put them all on me, and I'll work on them slowly, so everyone else can move on," is very useful in in those specific we're being mobbed situations. I've also seen it used to engage things like whippoorwills, where maybe two people have drawn whippoorwills, and they're a real pain to deal with because they're aloof. So you can you can drop this, and you essentially get a couple of actions saved pulling whippoorwills onto you, and then either you're evading them or or hitting them, whatever it is. So yeah, that that first clause, ready and engage all enemies at your location, is the one I forget, and I think it's maybe the most useful part of the card. Mm. And the next part is an added bonus and, and can be comboed with other things like with um, survival instinct level 2 that evades every enemy at your location if you succeed, or with cunning distraction, which I know we talked about when we first talked about Rita, where any kind of AoE evade effect suddenly becomes damage when you've played I'm Run Running. Little small observations from me. Okay, should we move on to her weakness? Yeah, and what a suitable weakness given that the way that she deals with enemies is through evasion. This is Hoods. They have three fight, three health, and three evade. They prey on Rita Young only. They're humanoid and cultist traited. And they're alert, which means if you fail evading them, you take an attack. And they're a hunter. And it says forced after you evade Hoods, it attacks you. 
You damn cowards always cover your faces. You're just like the damn clan, always too scared to let people see who you are. They hit for a damage and a horror. Yeah, this is a this is a really this is a really interesting weakness. Mechanically, yes, but also thematically, I think it's it's a really interesting one to have added to Rita. Mm. Not only is she a person of color, she's also an athlete and a woman. Uh, so I don't know whether you know this, but th- there's long been. Did you know, for instance, that women couldn't run in marathons? There was no women dis- distance races anywhere until the 1980s, I think. Mm. And there were women who dressed as men and ran in things like the Boston Marathon, weren't there? That's right, yeah. And, and, and I think. Had to enter under fake names. So is it the Boston Marathon, a, a woman tried to join the race and was tackled to the ground by one of the male uh, umpires. They thought it was unhealthy for women to run long distances. It's just appalling to yeah. me. It, 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 yeah, it's unbelievable when you think back to it now. So it, yeah. it highlights what, what a brave person uh, Rita is. Not only are these, 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 are, these are men, and they're men who are dressed like the clan, mm. uh, who want to stop her doing what she, she is good at and she wants to do. Mm. Uh, and they're targeted in a very specific way to stop her from doing that in the game as well. I think there are, yeah. I think it's a really good weakness thematically and mechanically. What what you want a signature weakness to do is to target your investigator in the, that weak spot of actually what they're really good at. And Hood says, if you fail to evade me, I hit you. <laughs> if you evade me, I hit you. You have to take the thing you're best at running and kind of put it to one side and face me. And it always feels like dealing with hoods is a kind of slightly climactic or a mini climax in a scenario of how are you going to do three damage to this enemy, hopefully with a baseball bat to the face. I mean, yeah, if, if, if we were doing a, a biopic of, of Rita, it would be the scene where she, you know, she, she's done running. <laughs> she turns yeah. around to face her accusers, right? Or all the people who are, who are trying to, her oppressors, people who are trying to stop yeah. her being who she is. And worth noting that I'm done running doesn't help you particularly well with hoods because you're still evading hoods, so you would still end up taking at least one hit from them, if I'm understanding that right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you could do, you could at least deal with them in two actions. The first action, you evade them, and you do a damage from I'm done running and a damage from Rita, and then the second action, you evade them again and do the last damage. It's, it's quite the hit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I must admit, I, it's it's one thing that really scares me about Rita because I think you need a way in your deck to deal with the hoods. Mm-hmm. And and there are three health enemy, so there, there's also there's no damage acceleration outside of certain weapons for Survivor. So there's nothing else that she sort of has access to, like a vicious blow to to one shot them. And it it then means that she needs to think about boosting her combat in some way to deal with them. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And and or her damage. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that leads us down a pretty obvious path. If you're going to take weapons for Rita, what weapons are there and what will you take? We're looking at the survivor card pool. So you've got baseball bat I've mentioned, fire axe, we've now got meat cleaver, and that's it at level zero. Oh, and the shovel, the gravedigger's shovel. Yeah, and the lantern sort of you could sling a lantern yeah. here for a final damage. It's a possibility. And 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 knife as well. You know, we've got a neutral weapon there. Mm-hmm. Cookery, yeah. your favourite. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And then at higher XP, 
there are a couple of interesting options. There's the old hunting rifle, which we've mentioned already with regard to warning shot. So that that would be a one shot. Uh, She'd be six combat firing the old hunting rifle, but it takes up both her hands. And then there's also the ornate bow and the time-worn brand, so two other neutral weapons of higher XP. Yeah, I must admit, I've, I don't think I've seen many Vita players who don't want to pick up the ornate bow. Mm. It, it works thematically for, for Rita as well, more on athletics equipment. Yeah, she becomes like a biathlete or something uh, like yeah. that, archery. But, it, but it's so good. Even that requirement to reload after every shot, that's not so bad because she can evade enemies much more easily to avoid any attacks of opportunity. It's not like she's, you know, you're not, it's not like you're playing Daisy, where mm. if you have to reload a spell or, or something like that, you're taking attacks of opportunity all of a sudden. Fire an arrow, evade, reload, next turn, ready to fire an arrow again. If you're fighting a four health enemy, you fire an arrow, do three damage, then evade the enemy, do the final point of damage. You know, you've, you've got a little bit of action compression in her ability, which is good. I have seen the the bow played and think it's very good in Rita. I would make a small uh, case as well for baseball bat in Rita. She fights at a five, which is is decent. And she might not necessarily be using her hands for anything else, particularly in multiplayer where you may be not using clue finding things in your hands. Yeah. But where it gets really strong for me is using Ace in the Hole and Will to Survive, because obviously the downside with the baseball bat is drawing a skull or an elder, uh, an auto-fail and losing the bat. But if there's a way of not drawing tokens, you can set up potentially turbo turns where you just go crazy with a baseball bat. Again, and I've done it, it myself. Yeah, it's more athletic equipment as well, more sports equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I would pick up a baseball bat and then look to upgrade it into the bow at some point during the cycle. Mm. They're both two-handed weapons, so if you get used to saying that's what's in my hands, that that works fine. Yeah, with the bow, if you try and do the will to survive, ace in the whole thing, you have to shoot, reload, shoot, reload, shoot, maybe reload. So you end up doing nine damage, uh, unless you have some other way of getting actions, which I don't think there are for Rita. And with the bat, you can just go hit, 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 hit and do 12 damage. Yeah. So you can actually do more damage with the bat in that specific setup. But obviously it requires you to have played the bat, got Will to survive, and then found Ace in the Hole, which is a one-up in your deck. So I'm aware that it's a very specific set of circumstances. Yeah, the bow is two actions for three damage, and the bat has two actions as 12 damage. Uh, sorry, his four damage. To four damage. <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> what baseball bat? You've added nails to it or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so in yeah. a straight up damage race, the bat's going to win. But you, I think you'll find the bow is really good for sniping stuff. <laughs> Just yeah, like, cruise around, like you say, four damage, evade, shoot the bow, sort of. Yeah, and then you've got an action to reload. She becomes a really nice sort of alternative guardian at that point. She's maybe not dealing with every single enemy or dealing with swarms, but any beefy boy that comes out, she just puts an arrow through its head. It's pretty nice. So I've mentioned a few cards there, like Will to Survive and Ace in the Hole. Those those are obviously things worth looking at for upgrades. But let's roll back to level zero. There's one card we've not yet mentioned that I think we should have mentioned, which is Track Shoes. Yeah. The, 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 the uh, 
Rita's other signature card. Yeah, the old book of law. I was about to say Rita. the old book of law for Rita. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, why? Why is it the old book of law for Rita? Just because. Well, track shoes improves your ability when you're evading, right? Yeah, it gives plus one agility. Yeah. So she puts her on agility six. Let's just read what track shoes does, or I can remember what track shoes does. When you move to a location, yeah. you take a three difficulty agility test. And if mm. you pass that, you may move to another location, right? A move to a connected yeah. location. So yeah. it doubles the effectiveness of one of her moves, of any of her moves. A single mm. move can be a two-location move. And this works with her uh, reaction ability. So an evade, which she then uses to move, she then can be two moves. So all one action for an evade and two moves. Yes, How's that for action compression? I like it. That's pretty good. And she can also use the shoes to move through a location with an enemy on it. Mm -hmm. Because it specifically says when you enter a location, but before enemies engage you, exhaust track shoes, take the test. So that also means if she's left enemies behind because she's evaded them rather than killed them, if she then realizes she needs to backtrack or you know, pass a central location in a scenario where there happens to be an enemy, she can do that without having to go back, evade again, which is one of the downsides of evasion. Yeah, I was right? about to say that, yeah, exactly. It, it, it yeah. gets around that big downside of evasion that you've left enemies scattered around the place and you have to deal with them at some point. Well, mm. not if you run past them. Yeah, you could just be sneaking from doorway to doorway, from street to street, a little bit like the quotation you started this episode with. So yeah, I think I think track shoes is a, a near auto include. The other me, thing track shoes does is it combos with drawing thin in quite a quite a cool way. Mm-hmm. So drawing thin lets us increase the difficulty of a test by two. Yep. And then gives us two resources or a card, no matter what. It, it wouldn't have to pass or fail that test. Yeah. If you have a test you don't care about, then you you, hap- you can happily increase the difficulty on that test and just not worry. Mm. At that point, then, the only thing you're worried about is negative token effects that have some other impact on the game. Which, you know, depending on the scenario, it might it might be not. It might not do anything at all. Mm. Yeah. You can take a call on that when you play the scenario. But if, if, you're not, if you're not worried about the extra movement, you can just turn track shoes into part of a resource generation engine together with drawing thin. Mm. So not only are those cards good in themselves, when you get them together they're potentially even better yeah that's that's an it's an actionless test which is where it's so powerful right yeah with, with you're, no you're consequence moving anyway with yeah no consequence for failing it yeah scary strong too strong maybe watch this space <laughs> <laughs> so what's she spending her resources on well maybe she's using a fire axe rather than a baseball bat and she wants to generate resources like that survivors historically run fairly cheap is she a, a dark horse character i don't think she really benefits from dark horse does she makes her four willpower three intellect it depends really how she's trying to get clues if at all yeah and rita i would say is one of the people who struggles the most with clues uh particularly in solo i think what we'd see is if you were wanting to build her get clues which you might be doing if you're playing solo you'd Mm -hmm. start to include some of those survivor tricks in her so mm. like a newspaper and look what I found and winging it, winging it belly exactly, of the beast. Yeah, yeah. all that kind of all that tasty stuff. We're reaching a point in the game as well where I think any faction can, even if they don't have access to other factions, can bring in enough 
cards that you end up with, say, six or eight cards in your deck that are dedicated to clue finding. And normally that means you can then say, right, well, there's a two clue location over here. So I'm going to go over there and, and wait to play, look what I found. Or this is a high shroud single clue location. So what I really need here is an enemy and I'll play belly of the beast. And you can kind of pick and choose in the same way that a guardian, say, would try and kill an enemy and play evidence or play scene of the crime if they're in the right place. It's just it's just not as straightforward as seekers with high intellect. Yeah. Getting <laughs> getting clues wherever they go yeah so the other card i'd like to mention for rita is our old friend the big man on campus yes and and he fits in her so well it's like they could be made for each other both mechanically and thematically so he are we reaching a point in the game where there's like a four-way love triangle like agnes people say, oh, Agnes and Big Man on Campus are made for each other. And now Carolyn, people say, oh, Carolyn and the Big Man on Campus, they're made for each other. And Rita as well, there's this like, that he's, is... a, he's, he's monstrous. Yeah, well, he's, I think he's, he's really the, the Rita. If, if you had all those characters in the party, and you were all arguing over who gets to take Pete, I'd say it has to be Rita. Wow, okay. Uh, why? Well, for a start, the level zero version fits best in Rita because yeah. he boosts her agility she's one of the main characters who wants to, to boost up you know that's the te- thing she's going to be testing all the time mm. so you know he helps there <laughs> and also yeah. she's she does have this pretty fragile five sanity mm. uh, am I right yeah. in thinking this is the, isn't, isn't the kind of information I can hold in my head Frank is there any other uh, survivors with the nine five stat line in either direction no I think there is, is there? They all tend to be quite balanced, except for Pete, who has has, a special case. He's a (laughs) 6-5, yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. So he's not a 9-5, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and that, as we all know from playing Roland, that 5 sanity can disappear very quickly. Yeah. Particularly, you know, three willpower is decent, but it's nothing to write home about. Um, I think that's a real Achilles heel, not run-up unintended for Rita, that low, well, you know, reasonable willpower, but low sanity means she could be really punished if she's not careful yeah. with treacheries. And then I think even at level two, where we get the plus one willpower from uh, from the upgraded Pete, mm. that puts her on four willpower, six yeah. agility, which is a really nice stat line. She can defensive combined defensive stats of ten is really nice. Yeah. yeah. So she she can she can deal with treachery cards well, and she can obviously deal with enemy cards pretty well. Yeah. So she becomes people use the word tank a lot in Arkham, but mm. you know I think that's what what she can do. She deals with the mythos deck, so she she would pair really well with a high intellect character to find clues, or mm-hmm. potentially a, a, an intellect and fighting character. Yeah, a Joe Diamond or something like that. Yeah, or a Roland or someone. They're doing the the offensive fetching clues, maybe killing weenies, and Rita's doing withstanding the mythos and dealing with enemies, things like that. Yeah, I I uh, heartily agree about Big Man on Campus. I think if you were doing Fire Axe, Madame Lebranche, Dark Horse, that's a separate packet of cards, and I think that's viable, but the appeal of big man on campus i mean 
I'd be inclined to run Cherish Keepsake and Big Man on campus, and then you've got four possible cards in your deck to put Sanit to, to put Horror on. Because yeah. it's it's so scary that she can just get wiped out by an, an unlucky rotting remains or other horror effect. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd still say, for me, Dark Horse finds its place in a character who wants to try everything, who, who mm. is is flexible, which is why I think both Preston and Pete are the real homes for Dark Horse. And Rita's a little bit more um, focused in what she wants to yeah, do. Yeah, like, by how point. often are you going to be using the plus one intellect <laughs> from, from yeah. Dark Horse on Rita or the plus you know, plus one combat, it, you know, it will come up, but really just focus on what she's good at. Mm. I wonder if in solo, there's maybe more of a place for it where, yeah. Yeah. But then you need to get clues somehow. That's always been the case with Dark Horse. We should do an episode about yeah. it one of these days. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, you mentioned tanking. Yes. We wanted to use talking about Rita as an opportunity to talk about evasion more generally. And we've alluded it to it all the way through this episode so i don't think we necessarily have bold new things to say but it's a topic that we talk about off air a fair amount or we've kind of regularly checked in on it haven't we about evasion yeah and and some people in the community have said really interesting stuff about it already i know uh motux yeah remind me what motux's blog is called it's called strange solution strange solution we're trying to take out a link, actually, because he did a series of articles looking in a lot of depth about uh, evasion across the opening cycles of the game. Mm-hmm. Up to Forgotten Age, was it? Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, and they're a really interesting read. Yes. I mean, one of the things that I'm going to p- pick out from that article, which I think is very important, is that Night of the Zealot is not an evasion-friendly campaign. There are a lot of enemies... There are smallish maps, and the scenario that has large map midnight masks has enemies that you need to kill because either they hunt or they have doom. Yeah. So our early experiences in the game was that evasion was a bad idea. Yes. Evasion was a quick fix for an enemy, but you'd be just you'd be hitting that problem down the road very shortly. I mean, there's there's this term I've heard used called play conditioning which is what a game teaches you is good and worthwhile. And okay. even in that first scenario in the gathering, that last agenda starts mm-hmm. to move ghouls directly. Although, does it, is it ready enemies? No, it's just unengaged ghouls. Yeah, enemies. I thought it was. So even if you've evaded an enemy and mm. thought... Unless you've spent another action to re-engage it, yeah. it's moving. Exactly, yeah. So you, you can't... Part of the, the draw of evading enemies is that often they don't move so you've got this this thing where if it doesn't hunt you can evade it get away from it and then avoid it especially if you've got the track shears in your deck yeah. but the very first scenario it teaches you that that doesn't work the, the best use yeah. of evasion in that first scenario is probably to evade the ghoul priest to turn up as retaliation and then everyone wails on it all at the same time that first yeah. turn he appears it's, it's often a good move to evade it go get Lita, come back, and then and then start killing him. And worth noting that the Ghoul Priest preys on the highest combat, so it normally isn't on your high agility character. Yeah. So the high agility character has to say, no, 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 let me engage the Ghoul Priest, then I'll evade the Ghoul Priest, and then I'll do some other thing to set up all of the 
combat shenanigans. So there is that line, I think, in the Learn to Play book, which says, yes, evasion is that good because it turns off the enemy for the whole turn. Mm. But actually, when we played through that opening scenario, the opening campaign even, uh, it just it, it didn't really offer as much more over killing the enemies. Mm. And I think, the, as you were probably about to go on to say, Frank, the design of the enemies and the scenarios has matured over the course of the, the cycles and with other cards being added where evasion is far more potent now than it was back then. Let's say that I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Even from the core set, there's been uh, those dissenting voices saying, well, hang on, evasion does have a place here. For instance, playing as Wendy early on, it was either using evasion to set up doing damage or playing Cat Burglar or something like that and just saying, I just don't deal with enemies. I'm just going to move away from enemies and I'm going to go faster than they are and hope to win out. So it's always been there. Then I think the fact that we got in Dunwich, Jenny and Ashcan, and I would say that Survivor and Rogue are the natural fits for evasion, neither of them with agility really to write home about, meant that in Dunwich we had a similar situation of going, well, evasion's not really viable here. It's just about finding other ways of killing enemies. And it's taken quite a long time, I would say, to reach this point where now I would argue that evasion is very viable and very useful and that probably in the main players could be saving actions evading enemies that they've been conditioned to kill. I think I'd go out on a limb and say that. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable a reasonable statement. But where I've seen it really come to the fore is where you have a character that can use evasion as just one tool in a whole toolbox of enemy management. And so, for instance, Silas and Rita, because as we said with Hoods, Rita's probably packing a weapon. When you see an enemy, you have a choice. Am I pinging it for a single damage? Am I hitting it with my weapon? Do we need to deal with this enemy at all? You have this really flexible approach to enemies that can really be tailored to whatever the situation is. Are we just running away from this one? That's fine, I can do that. And that's where I see it really taking its place in multiplayer, not necessarily replacing fighting, but being an additional tool alongside combat. Yeah. How about you? What? Where do you see it fitting in a team well, my experience is always more focused on bigger teams. Mm. And I think one of the key things about evasion is it helps smooth out the, I guess you'd call it like the enemy curve. We've all had okay. scenarios, especially in four player, where we're suddenly swarmed with enemies and they've come out faster than the combat character, if you've got a combat character, can deal with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Zoe's got her machete and her vicious blow and everything like that. But if she's got to deal with seven or eight health worth of enemies in a single turn, uh, she's probably going to struggle with that. And that means someone's taking a hit. Yeah. And if you've got a character who can evade those enemies, you smooth that that curve out to leave your, your combat character with more of their tricks. Although they may spend the next few turns dealing with enemies. Uh, you know, they've kept some of those which is blows, they've kept some of those other tools back for a bigger fight that might might appear at some point soon. Mm. I mean, this is going to sound dreadfully obvious, but I'm going to say it. I hope that it will be um, more meaningful than it sounds. 
if there was an ability that said spend an action, you don't have to deal with this enemy this turn, that's somewhat appealing. In the situation you described of, okay, there are four enemies here, we need to deal with them all. And if someone can say, well, I'll just spend this action and one of those enemies is is put on ice. Or two, or two actions. Or two actions to do two enemies, yeah. That's, it, it's, if you formulate it in that way, I think that that's actually fairly meaningful and useful that you're not saying, oh, well, we need to kill them anyway, so you're wasting your time. You're saying, I'm investing an action to make sure we don't have to deal with it now, whatever whatever it is. And it, it could well be, we've talked about this, but you, you can, especially with some knowledge of the scenarios, evasion can be used quite tactically to reduce, to, to eliminate the need to ever deal with an enemy. Yeah, that's where it becomes more sophisticated. And I often hear the, the evasion player saying, or I could just evade it, you know. Yeah. And the Guardian's there with their shotgun <laughs> ready to go, being like, what? Yeah. What can you think of an occasion where you tactically use use it to never deal with an enemy? I mean, like more than I can count. <laughs> okay. I mean, you look yeah. at look at scenarios like even the one we've just done, uh, Onion and this Elogian, whatever you've called it, <laughs> and th- th- that's one of the scenarios where you've got where you've got a, a, a range of locations you have to do a task at. Uh, mm-hmm. Once you've cleared the clues off and done the, the task you can pretty safely leave enemies at those locations unless they're hunting. Yeah. Do we need to come back here? No, let's yeah, not worry, let's not about, worry it. about it. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, when you have that occasion where you draw a locked door and there's no location with clues in place, so you can put it anywhere you like. It's it's similar like that for enemies. If you draw an enemy that you can go, I can evade this, we never need to come back here and this isn't going to hunt. That's just a freebie then. Um, broadly speaking... Enemies have lower evade values than they have combat values. It's not always the case. Uh, I'd be interested to look at the numbers of that actually, but I would, I would guess that evading enemies across the board is somewhat easier than than uh, fighting enemies. Yeah, my feel would be that it's it's harder to evade enemies that have that you know have some tie into an evade mechanic. So and and like what she called, I want to say Ruth Pierce. What's the mortician called? She is called Ruth. She's called Ruth. Quiz. Jones. Quiz question. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth. Ruth Smith. Are you just guessing now? Yeah, I'm just guessing. I'm going to find out. This would have been great on a live show. Ruth Turner. Ruth Turner. What did I say? Ruth Piers. Uh, anyway, here. <laughs> If you shout it out while listening, listener, award yourself a gold star. <laughs> She's got five evade, right? Mm-hmm. And, but only like, I think, is it two fight? Yeah, and four health. Yeah. So she, it, it, I think we've almost always ended up beating her up. <laughs> Sorry, Ruth. But unless you're packing a big weapon or multiple vicious blows, she's going to be a couple of actions to kill. And if you can pass that evasion... It's always just a one and done if you can evade her. Yes. But the question is, can you evade her? Yeah. Of course, you can always use an auto-evasion tool to get past, past her as well. Yeah. Yeah. She's not elite. A stray cat. A stray cat will do the job. Something Distract else, the yeah. guards while you stick her at the hospital. Set your cat on them. Yeah. We just mentioned stray cat. What cards and builds are good for evaders? I mean, I, I mentioned Silas and Rita as well. They'd probably be my go-tos. 
Any that spring to mind for you? Yeah, so, so let, we'll briefly touch on investigators. It's, it's probably pretty obvious, but let's just run through uh, the characters with four agility. Mm-hmm. So we've got, as you say, Silas, Wendy, Finn. Yep. Is there anyone else? Ursula. Ursula. God, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine her, her dedicated on enemy management? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and of those characters... The, yeah, you'd probably say the rogue and the survivor card pools lend themselves best to boosting your evade and also capitalizing on enemies being exhausted, right? Yes, yeah, they capitalize on that exhaustion in slightly different ways. So rogues often like to profit from enemies being evaded, whether that's pickpocketing or being able to then sneak attack them things like that. And survivors, and I'm taking all of these words, Matt said this once to us, survivors m- much more like to to get more out of their evasion. So it's more about um, either keeping the enemy evaded for a lot, no, that's rogues. It's things like running away or pushing an enemy further away with bait and switch yeah. or being able to evade multiple enemies. Actionlessly, yeah, or multiple enemies, yeah. yeah. So, you know, with that in mind, uh, it seems that Wendy is the perfect evading tank. Yeah, she's got access to rogue. She can make good on those rogue tricks. And then also she can do the survivor stuff. Yeah, potentially. Where she falls down is that she has no combat option. So unless you're using tricks for combat, which you can do with Wendy, or a fire axe, say, to boost your combat... If you realise that evasion has run out or you really need to kill an enemy, you can be in a bit of a pickle. This is what I think Rita really offers over Wendy in terms of enemy management. That So we, we talked a few minutes ago about the fact that you can smooth out this curve of enemies and deal with them sort of one at a time. And mm. even in a low player count, that character dealing with those enemies could be Rita. So if you've got two enemies, she can keep one evaded and still have the actions to fight the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. just because you can very reliably evade things. Yes, and where evasion starts to get a little bit sticky is if you have too many enemies to evade, particularly in lower player counts. So I've had a situation before where I evade an enemy, try and get a clue and move on, and I fail to get the clue, so I'm going to stick around for another turn. I know I need the clue. And then the next encounter phase, mythos phase, I draw a second enemy. So then I'm needing to evade one, evade the other, try and get the clue. I can't leave. And where Rita is geared towards handling those kinds of situations is that reaction ability that she can move, that she can essentially dedicate her whole turn to evading if she wants to. And by using that movement ability, she can spread out enemies or she can get away from the last enemy or whatever else it is. She generally can kind of thin the pack if she needs to, which is invaluable. Yeah. Uh, One thing I would say is don't underestimate cards which do things like automatically evade or evade additional enemies. Because I know this is a thought I've had, is that you think to yourself, well, I'm already good at evading. How much, mm. you know, do I need survival instinct, really? I'm already beta. I'm already great at evading. But you, will, when you build your character in that direction, you encounter those situations more. And the last yes. thing you want to do is be left high and mighty. Uh, sorry, high and mighty. High and dry. The yeah. last thing you want to do is be left high and dry with three enemies at your location and no tools for dealing with them all. It's mm-hmm. like putting mm-hmm. vicious blow into a fighting character. You don't think to yourself, well, 
I'm already dealing extra damage with my weapon. Why do I need vicious blow? The answer mm-hmm. is because you find like three fight enemies all the time. Yeah, yeah. I I think survival instinct in particular is is having her ability on tap. Yeah. And so you could use her ability to damage an enemy and then evade another enemy and move or whatever it is. You can you can get around the fact that her ability is limit once per round and not rely on seeing the elder sign to do that. Yeah, and in, and in fact, you know, same thing with the uh, auto evade effects like cunning distraction or a stray cat. You know, that works with her ability. Stray cat becomes a beat cop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ping for a damage or ping for a move if you need to just make tracks. exactly and yeah. you don't just use an action use an action to play it but then it's a free trigger boom gone yeah yeah if you can save it up for when you're done running yeah it's another another point of damage cool well is that the end for you yeah i think that that's about everything uh, it's it's interesting to talk about evasion and i think it's mm. something we're going to come back to you know over and over again uh, as as we go through the cycles whether Cycles swing more towards combat or to evasion in terms of how enemies are best dealt with. Mm. We've not touched at all on Forgotten Age, which introduced alert and vengeance. So encouraged evasion, but also penalised it. I've said those in the wrong way around, but but yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, bearing in mind everything we said about Rita, that she also likes fighting enemies as well as evading them, or part of her evade action actually damages enemies. Are you going to be using the evade and deal a damage on the pit viper maybe not yeah you might not want to yeah exactly exactly so yes i'm, I'm done basically it was yes yeah of course that <laughs> i hope this has uh given you something to think about for rita young maybe you've got a good solo build that you think is really singing i'd love to hear about it you can get in touch with us with drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com we're drawn to the flame on facebook twitter patreon Designed by humans. I'm actually wearing my Drawn to the Flame t-shirt right now. Uh, Peter, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I am United everywhere. So that's on Twitter, on Reddit, on Discord. So say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm FB on Twitter. That's E-P-H underscore B-E-E. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Of the name and abode of this man, but little is written, for they were of the waking world only. Yet it is said that both were obscure. It is enough to know that Old School Gamer dwelt in a city of high walls where sterile twilight reigned, and that he toiled all day among shadow and turmoil. I can hardly describe the mood in which I was left by this harrowing episode, an episode at once mad and pitiful, grotesque and terrifying. Puerile though the story was, Old Joe Platt's insane earnestness and horror had communicated to me a mounting unrest which joined with my earlier sense of loathing for the town and its blight of intangible shadow. Mm-hmm.